do admit that I'm not someone who's generally given to what you might call political homilies. In the Gospels, Jesus himself, who lived in a very politically charged era, only mentioned Caesar once, and even then he says, give him his taxes. And when he confronts Pontius Pilate, he really lets Pilate's own words speak to him himself. What Jesus often does very masterfully is simply lay out the truth and for those who are willing to listen, or at least for those who are willing to let themselves be confronted by it, that truth has a way of penetrating on its own. It translates itself into particular situations and eras. So that being the case, I decided to throw caution to the wind and I'm gonna give a political homily. I'm gonna give an incredibly political homily. It's a homily that when all of us leave here, we should be asking ourselves, if I really believe in God, can I do that? And you have every right to think, on the 5th of July, really? Are you gonna do that now on the 5th of July? Do we really need this now, St. Joe's? I'm not the pastor, what do I care? but I am going to do it. I'm going to rub our faces in it unapologetically. You know it's coming. I'm going to make us all take a good hard look at Romans 8, which we just heard beautifully proclaimed. Just a little snippet of it. But it's such a powerful, powerful text. And it's so easy if you're like me to just kind of whoop, let it go over and sort of translate it into a soft-hearted moralism. But Paul is talking there about the flesh, right? And for the flesh, don't think like I sometimes used to. Oh, he's talking about hedonism or terrible sins of the body. If you read all of Romans, the flesh just means the old way of being. Because for Paul, Jesus changed everything, right? And he knew that because he literally got knocked on his butt it wasn't some sermon that he heard. It wasn't some video that he watched. He very literally got knocked backwards in the midst of doing something that was against every fiber of what Jesus was about. So when Paul talks about the flesh, what he means is the old way of being. And he's saying something has changed. Something has changed radically. And if you believe it, something needs to change in you. So he talks about baptism. And for them, they, they certainly had that concept. It wasn't as sort of developed as we have with our baptismal fonts and all of that. What Paul is really talking about is being infused with the Spirit. And he says, if you really believe that, you can't go back to living the way the old man or woman used to live. Why is that political? Well, you could plug all sorts of things in there, but I have Exhibit A. I used to live in Washington, D.C. I was at Catholic University. And I had the privilege then of celebrating a wedding of two lawyers. They both worked for the Department of Justice. Really bright, young people. They probably could have been making a lot more money working somewhere else. He was Catholic, she was Hindu. And he used to say, that she put him to shame in terms of living out gospel values. She was someone who gave every ounce of energy in her body to try and bring justice to the world. 
Just two remarkable young people. So anyways, they celebrate their wedding. It was in Philadelphia. And, you know, when you go to wedding receptions, they always have little foo-foo bags and they've got mints in them or jars of water, jars of water, bottles of water, something like that. But that's not what this couple gave out. This couple, on everybody's plate at the reception, had one of these. Copy of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. You can get these. You can get them for cheap, like the Gideon Bible. You, know, you can buy like a thousand for ten dollars. And I've actually done that when I've been assigned to places. I should do it at the seminary, but I don't. And I've given them out to kids. But it's a remarkable thing. I keep mine tucked in my breviary, and every now and then I pull it out. And I just say, if I really believe my life is governed by this, my breviary, that's the, the prayer book of the church, so scripture, writings of the saints, priests pray that every day. If I really believe my life is governed by this, then when I look at this, can I honestly say I've got my perspective right? And so all I want to do is read one little line from the beginning of the Declaration of Independence. I know people still memorize that, probably not, but... And it's the famous one, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator, certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, we know all that. I want to draw our attention to governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. So we know the inalienable rights are not self-evident always. All created equal. Powerful words, true words, but just like Revelation, we're constantly coming to a deeper understanding of what that means and we let ourselves hopefully be challenged by the lack of completeness. But they follow that up with Government derives just power from the consent of the governed. And here's where Paul comes in. Really? The consent of the governed, Paul would say? What about when the governed is not so consenting? What is it that the governed want to give their consent to, and what is it that they don't want to give their consent to? And that's the difference Paul's new man, old man, life in the spirit, life in the flesh is all about. He knew only too well that the governed like to write their own script. The governed like to say, I'll give my consent to this, I'm not giving my consent to that, and where do you get off saying that I should? And if you're a Roman citizen talking to Caesar, that's one thing. But Paul is saying, if you really believe everything that we say about Jesus. It's not a question of your consent. But of course, we have that freedom. And Paul is simply saying, if you believe what we say, this is a very different world than the world of Caesar. This is a very different world than the world of President X or Y. This is a very different world than this independent democracy, that kingdom, that closely, tightly governed society. This is different than all of those. And the church in her brilliance paired up Paul's little snippet from Romans with that gospel. Once again, beautiful gospel. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. 
But what does that follow? As we so often do, just like I plucked a few lines out of the Declaration of Independence, we can pluck a few lines out of the Gospel. But when Jesus gets to that point, he's gone through a very challenging lesson. If you remember last week, he was talking about, unless you love me more than your father and your mother, you can't come with me. Unless you take up your cross and carry it with me. And for them, the cross wasn't a piece of jewelry around the neck, right? It was a horrific death for criminals. And he says, unless you do that, there's no wiggle room there. There's none of this consent of the governed stuff. Unless you do it, you have no choice. And then, easy to forget, right? Maybe you were traveling last week. Maybe you were at the beach, whatever. And we just come in. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And I could easily imagine someone politically charged, wanting to give their life for a more just world, getting up and saying, oh, that's fine for you Catholics. Light yoke, easy burden. Society calls for more than that. And we should get up and say, yeah, stupid, what part of the Gospel of Matthew haven't you read? We shouldn't say that. But that bride would say to me, hey, stupid, read all of this. And if you haven't, shame on you. So what comes between last Sunday and today? It's that powerful scene where John the Baptist is in jail, remember? And he's kind of deflated. And he sends a messenger to Jesus and he says, hey, pal, are you the one I've been waiting for or not? Put up or shut up. Because John was very clear who he expected, a firebrand who would come in and set that world on fire. And yes, Jesus did it in his own way, but John wasn't talking about light yokes and easy burdens. And he literally, knowing that his own life was probably on the line, he sends a message to Jesus, are you the one we've waited for? Are you the one I preached about? Or should we look elsewhere? Because it's hard. It's really, really hard to not let yourself write the script. It's really hard to say, okay, Lord, I want to be governed by you and I'm going to give my consent. And it's easy to go through a mass and say the prayers and amen to the Eucharist. But the actual core of the message is hard and it's difficult. Take up the cross. What that bride at the wedding I celebrated understood in all her Hindu wisdom was that if you wanted a society that was fair and just, it was hard. Are you willing to make less money? Are you willing to let your time and your energy be governed and directed in a way that's challenging and difficult? They dealt with things in the 10 years of their marriage that they didn't have to deal with because of the path that they were walking. I know because I've stayed in touch with them. And we don't have to get all big and global about it. Maybe just a little spiritual exercise for this week. What about the society that we call our family? What about the society that we call our marriage or our siblings or our friendship? Probably a lot of us has had a chance to think about our career motives over these last couple of months where we're not just getting up in the rat race every day. And it doesn't mean any of those things need to radically change externally. But if we believe Paul, we can't wake up every day as if we were the old flesh that we used to be, because you wouldn't be here 
if you either weren't baptized, and that's probably the vast majority of us, or at least intrigued enough to be here. I mean, even if you're here because somebody dragged you along, you respected them enough to let yourself be brought. What do we give consent to? By whom do we allow ourselves to be governed? Romans 8 is one of the most charged political texts of Scripture you will ever encounter. And if you're like me and you say, yeah, nice try, Father, but that was a softball, then shame on us. Shame on us for not knowing that at least as well as we know this.